Broncos country, let's ride. Broncos country, let's ride. Broncos country, let's ride. Broncos country, let's ride. Once the trade was gonna happen, and I said, hey, listen, I wanna make sure I go to a city that wants to win. I wanna make sure I go to a team that wants to win. And uh, I wanna go to a city that knows how to win. And uh, all those three things were checked off the box here in Denver. And so, um, I think we got a chance. Not the and he missed it wide left. Ladies and gentlemen, Seahawks and football fans everywhere, a very warm welcome back to the We Talk Seahawks podcast. <laughs> it was a good weekend, wasn't it? Oh, man. Um, yeah, didn't expect to be coming on to do a podcast reviewing a Seahawks win over the Broncos. You didn't. I didn't. Whatever I said, whatever I did, I did. Get the yes. trumpets out for Josh. Get the trumpets out. I'm surprised Josh. he's not got his own in his in his room. We so called I'm, I'm, I'm going to buy you a trumpet engraved with your name on. I'm about to push my camera all the way back just to fill out my, my fill my massive head in this. Oh, is that why you've done that? Is it? Oh, you know, can I say this? This room's actually about twelve foot long. Just right. that I'm that far away, my head's that big because I predicted the win. We called you delusional. We called you. I don't. Know, I can't remember what we called you to be honest, but. Oh, we're so sorry. We're so sorry. We should have believed. We should have believed, but we did it. We won. We won 17-16. What a game. Um, football is back. We are back reviewing the games. Um, a lot to talk about tonight, so we can't wait to get into it. And it's a lot more. We normally call these episodes rants and reviews. I don't think we're going to be able to use rants. There's no ranting, I think, coming tonight. Um, so that, that, that's a nice change. We didn't expect for that to be happening so early in the season. Um but yeah, man, 17, 16, ha, 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 unbelievable. Right, we're going to be talking, obviously, Geno Smith, the the wizard that is Geno Smith, absolutely backed him since day one. Um, and then Russell Wilson as, as well, obviously, that's the... I know you're all frowning. No, I did. I you on you. crack? No, I promise you. I definitely, <laughs> definitely, definitely backed Geno Smith. The oh, God. The um, Quick, everyone, listen back to all the previous pods and just let us know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you we'll, can. And I'm, I'm, we'll put a poll up on the. Uh, we'll put a poll yeah. up on Twitter, and we'll see. You do that, Pez. Um, yep. Gino, Russ, offense, defensive performances. Some interesting comments from Pete Carroll as well, basically confirming that the the rumors that we've all believed for for the for the past sort of eight nine years about rifts in the in the locker room from the uh, from the fallout from Super Bowl 49 he's basically confirmed that those were true um so we're going to get into those comments and, and see what our thoughts are on those as well um but there's only one place to start it's the quarterbacks and and you know what I'm going to start with Geno Smith we're going to talk about our player first um I mean who on earth who on earth saw that coming that I was watching it at about I don't know what time it kicked off quarter quarter past one hour time as Geno Smith entered the field from the from the sideline for the first time my hands were in my face saying right just go with it it's the start just whatever happens you know we'll all smile we'll all we'll all laugh through it just let's you know let's just get through it and he came out 
it, it didn't didn't fucking he didn't miss a pass all first half playing like an absolute wizard unbelievable drive after unbelievable drive i mean i've, I've got no words for him other than he is a proper team player a situational quarterback didn't take risks didn't turn the football over and how much better did the offense look without someone trying to play hero ball i mean it, it worked man um yeah okay so we're going to keep it positive but i'm yeah. just i'm just going to put in there before we all get too carried away when gino tried peeing hero ball i was like please stop it because you're going to get yourself picked off please yeah. stop it when the pocket was nice and clean he was great mm-hmm. when he had to run run out of the pocket and escape and throw on the move let's please not do that again like i was scared for the guy but other than that it's great for him it's great for the team it it was great i messaged you boys at the time but it was great to see the offense all working together they they, they were all working for him there was a ball he threw and it was to dk's left like a horizontal in, dive. Mm. Yeah, and he, he had to extend. Now, if he half-assed that, Patrick Satan was literally waiting for that in the bucket, pick six, and that whole game would have gone completely different. But I always go back to that play as that play showed how this team was just ready to work for each other because DK just... just stretched out, did everything he possibly could to get that ball. And then you're like, all right, this team, this offense is ready to work. This offense is ready to do anything. And then straight after that, it was like third down. And then Tyler just gets the ball. No nonsense. Let's not be cute. Roll straight down. We've got the first down. This is how we're going to have to play. This is how we're going to have to settle down. And I thought it was great. I thought, like, what, was he 16 for 17? Into the half, he only missed one. Or was he seventeen for seventeen? I think he was seventeen uh, for seventeen I at the half. He missed... I thought he missed one. Did he? Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure at halftime he was sixteen for seventeen. But that's fucking amazing. Unbelievable. Right? And let's face it, I ain't gonna sell myself out for a bag of chips like you, James. I don't rate him. I still don't rate him. But if that old line can stay, like the credit goes to that old line, man. Two rookies absolutely kept him straight for three quarters. Mm. And then I think, like, I'm not a deep guy into the old line, but all I could imagine was it kind of just, like, rookiness by the fourth quarter started getting away from him, tired. Mm. You know, they always say, don't they, college is different to the NFL. And I just think them kind of things told, but... Charles Cross is a very, very intelligent football player, and I could guarantee that shit won't happen again. If he if he keeps Joey Bolsa, Joey Bolsa, I've got the wrong Bolsa brother for Nick Niners. Bolsa. It's Nick, Nick for Niners. Yeah, Nick Bolsa. Oh, that's, that's how I remember it. Yeah, <laughs> if he if he has Nick Bolsa and he keeps him contained, I can guarantee he'll keep him contained the whole game. He won't let that slip next time. He's just one of them guys who's just very switched on up there. He'll look at that and he'll just be like, that ain't happening again. Okay, I need to be switched on. What about Gino? What about Gino? 
We'll talk about the quarterback battle. We'll talk, on about, then, Josh, talk about him. Talk about him. Come on. No, Pez, Pez was actually making a really good point about Gino. That's when he, then he deviated. Oh. <laughs> he's so bad to say because I'm one of his. I'm one of his guys. I'm one of his guys. What was he saying? They wrote me off, but I ain't wrote back. Yeah. Or whatever. I'm one of them guys. So I don't know. I don't know. I, th- I think this is the uh, I, anyone who listened to the pod previously will know that I was all about Drew Locks. I thought he had more upside. However, obviously based on Waldron's game plan, which, as I said last week, again I'm not going to toot my own horn, but it looks like Pete. <laughs> that's my God for anyone who can't see that on YouTube. Pez was doing something. Um, Tooting the horn. Yeah, well, that's what you call it. Yeah. <laughs> Slanging Pez's house, his wife runs away. Um, right, so anyway, yeah, as I said, I think this year, this year is just Pete Carroll loosening the reins a bit. I think Waldron's finally managed to managed to implement his game plan, his philosophy, rather than, like you said, having a, a QB who just tries to lob the ball for hero ball all the time. The, fuck it, someone's going to be down there anyway. You know, that's that's not the game plan. As as Pez said, as with that ball to DK, as the, the, the Tyler Lockett ball, that was that was 16, 17 yards, that ball to Tyler, just in open space. And Tyler took the safest option of going, I'm not losing this ball on the first drive, and just went to ground. That was the game plan. It was short games. It was efficiency. It was Gino protecting that ball and making sure that the drive was sustained, keeping their defense on the line, on the field, and keeping ours off it making sure we can run it up with different means. I mean, you look at the fact like DK and Tyler were hardly in this game because Gino chose to either give it to someone to try a run, which Penny wasn't super efficient. He was what he averaged five yards a carry, but then he picked out his two tight ends for touchdowns. Now, if, if we were doing this pod last year, do you think those words would have come out of any of our mouths? Well, when, in one when was game? the last time... Two of our, I mean, our two leading receivers were both tight ends. When was the last time that that's ever happened? Russ in his, I'd say Russ in his rookie year, he targeted them quite a lot. And what, Maybe how then. I see, trying not going like deviating off the quarterbacks, but how I see what Pete's doing here is he's treating Gino almost like a rookie again because given what safety he, blankets. What what he did with Russ was. Everyone says, oh, he doesn't target the tight ends, but he did when he was younger. He did when he first came to the team. He did on Monday as well. Mm. Yeah. Beck, Beck, is it Beck, who's yeah. the fullback slash tight end, that Albert, I'm not even going to try and pronounce his surname, O, he got ball as well. So Russ does know where tight ends are in the field. He just chooses not to pick them. And I can guarantee if they, if they don't win more games, he will bin off those tight ends and he'll just go for wide receivers. Well, We'll get into like that kind of stuff in a bit without getting off topic. One thing I did want to say, what you said, Josh, was about Pete losing the reins and Waldron taking over. Did did it not remind you of the Colts last year? One and That's two, it's like a, it's, it's a two-parter. So did it not remind you of the Colts last year? He did exactly the same thing, and everyone was like, "Ooh." And two, are you not a bit concerned how the the, the offence just completely kind of was non-existent in the second half. Evaporated in the second half. Like, but yeah. he, went, he went conservative on offence and prevent on defence. And 
the little things what I get frustrated about over the years in that second half kind of show me they're still there and yeah, I think the the lack of aggression in the second half, especially in offense, was it was a it was a big thing for me. Like I, I was hoping that they'd come out with the same surgical efficiency that Gino had in the first half, and they'd just sustain drives and keep it going. Obviously, we saw Michael Dixon twice in the second half, which tells you how the balance had sort of like how the scales had tipped. But based on what we did see i'm still quite optimistic and positive because that first game against indy when we had a full squad and everything was going well and then we had the second game where was it didn't ds get injured in the first game or in training after that no so he got couldn't... concussion yeah maybe in the first game or the second yeah, game. yeah yeah and then, then we couldn't run any jet sweeps or any other stuff that Walder wanted to do so russ just reverted back to type I, and I, that's I, where things started going. Because if you look at that first game against the Colts last year, Waldron's offense had tight end play, it had short slants, it had like dig routes and routes out to the you know to the, the sideline. It had the running back running through gaps. It had these sweeps and these end arounds. And it looked like good mixed up efficient football, which is what we got today. The difference is the man who was doing all the end arounds was the only one that could do it. Whereas now we've got Eskridge, and we've got James's man, Marquise Brown. Mark- no, Marquise Goodwin. He's better than Marquise Brown. <laughs> yeah, Marquise Goodwin. So that's two we've got there. So it allows the game plan to keep flowing. We said this when we went through the roster, that I... they've got a backup for everything now. <sighs> anyway. I'm not going to but... get too down on it. It's just... I know. You better not. No, it's just... Josh rattled off like a load of different things from the Colts game, and to say that D. Eskridge derailed the whole game plan. It, 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 the second half, it, the second half kind of niggles at me with it. Like Gino went, Gino like kind of stalled. I think like to bring it back onto the quarterbacks without we all go. I don't want to go down a rabbit hole on playing things. To bring it back to the quarterback really is. The way they played in the first half is how Gino needs to play. Like mm. he 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 needs to play at that level. So it doesn't need like I always say it's Pete because Pete's the head coach and he's renowned for getting involved in shit. It just needs whoever slows the tempo down. And I'm not even saying high tempo, I'm just saying Gino's tempo. That first half was essentially Gino's perfect tempo, and it wasn't even that fast. It was just efficient. You start slowing that down, a quarterback like Gino isn't the kind of quarterback who can go cold and go warm again. Essentially, like, for example, a younger Russ. He could be cold for three quarters and then just, a, a like, erupt in the fourth quarter. Mm. Gino can't do that, and it was shown in that game. So a bit of, like... Yeah, let's all get carried away. It's great win. Not like Josh said, the eternal optimist would wish that the game was won. Anyone who said, I knew it for a fact. Mm, mm, I, I, I personally disagree. But taking away the overexcitement of the first game, because I'm not asked, I, I, I'm not one of these guys who I can go 1-16 and, and I'll be fucking happy because we beat Russ. I don't give a shit about Russell Wilson anymore. In my in my opinion, I don't fucking done. care what what Pete has done. 
by doing what he did in this game is he set a precedent. And if he doesn't live to that precedent, oh, you think I've run to the bat him in previous years, I'm going to run to bat him even more now because he's shown to me he can do it. He can do it with Gino. Yeah. You're taking a massive factor out of this. The He can do it with Gino, but he has other teams to play that can do it against him. We He could do it with Gino against a Broncos side with a first-year head coach who, let's face it, the last play of the game proved that he's not there yet. He's a rookie, no, yeah. Basically. And then you have Russell Wilson working with a new team. Now, we're going to come up against some, as we predict, as we did the predictions last year or last, last week, we're going to come up against some different sides that are going to do us. I'm still we're still going to go four and zero to start, all right. I'm oh, going to say five are. after watching that Saints team. That Saints team was fucking. Tough. Oh, that was awful. Yeah, they it? were awful. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think we'll we'll still have a decent-ish record, but then we're going to come undone some of the better teams. So, so what I'm saying here is I'm not I'm not getting carried away and saying playoffs. Even though Pete said it's not a rebuild, we are still the same team. So technically, in his eyes, we are a playoff team still, but. I'm actually siding with you here, Josh, and saying the Waldron element, it's proven, a bit like how we spoke about on previous pods, is Gino's a Jared Goff. Just let Waldron... Game manager. Just let Waldron do what he needs to do. Now, I think a massive piece, what we didn't see much of, was Penny's going to be a massive factor what's going to help Gino out. And even though you said he did, he didn't do much... He didn't do much statistically because his two big runs got called back for flags. His two yeah. breakout runs got called back for flags. You add them into his stats and he had a really good game. That mm-hmm. burst is still there. That Make that gap. and that That's what 26 yards I got called back. That, that, I, I fucking so bad for it. It was so a joke. Bad. It was a joke. Abe Lucas essentially held on for a millisecond too long and pancaked the guy. Like, I think because he pancaked him that well, it looked like he must have yeah, fouled him. He must, yeah, he must. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a joke, but like, but don't get me wrong. That's not me. Like that speech isn't me saying, "Oh yeah, I expect the playoffs." Hmm. I, it's not that. It's you've proven you can do it. Don't get involved. Leave yeah. Aldrin to work with Gino. Once you start game managing. You've not got the quarterback to game manage. You've got a quarterback who's essentially like old legs. You get them warmed up and they can go for a 10-mile run. As soon as you slow them down at mile five, they seize back up and then they're never getting going again. You know what I mean? Good reference, Pez. I like it. It's normally me who comes out with those kind of... I I like that. Um, Yeah, I I know you said we don't want to spend too much time talking, talking about him and I don't either, to be honest, but we have to sort of give our opinions a little bit on what we saw from Russell Wilson because he turned up to the uh, to Lumen Field looking like Silver Surfer out of Fantastic Four. <laughs> he he looked like a sixteen year old going to a prom. He did a little bit. That's yeah. All I could think, he looked like he, he deserved to be Jim from American Pie. That's exactly what he wore to prom. Pretty much identical. That type yeah. of shit suit, <laughs> wide lapel with a, a, an yeah. odd coloured dicky ball that didn't match the whole attire. As soon as I saw that picture, I was I just went, what a knob. And he's wore that as well. And and, and it, it just feels like he, he, he thought he was going to win so much by turning up in a suit like that, looking that cocky and that swag. And, and look, he turned up, 
and 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 his stat line isn't isn't too bad. Twenty nine mm-hmm. passes for, for out of forty two attempts completed, three hundred forty yards and a touchdown. Um, I didn't think he played bad in the game, Russ. He played um, well. He did play well. I'm interested in what you think in some of the things that I saw that have carried over to Denver from what we saw in Seattle in terms of there was a couple of times where I thought he escaped out of the pocket a bit too quickly and in clean pockets when he could have stood in there and done what Gino did, especially with a Disley touchdown, the way he stood in and climbed that pocket under that pressure to find Disley. We know Russell can escape a little bit too quickly at times. I I saw that once or two times. Obviously, the game management at the end, we've seen that as well. Um, and, And there was a few other bits and bobs from Russ that I saw that, have carried over um what what did we think of him i mean it, it did he play better or worse than what you thought or what what's your thoughts um so for me personally how i watched it i noticed a few little things when the camera panned in on him hmm. and he's made a rod for his own back in my opinion because that that offense even though he can do all his promotional videos on his instagram that they're all at his facility and they're catching bombs down the field and they're all in sync and oh we love this guy we love that guy it's not it's not it's not at all it's nothing like that ever like look listen to loads of pods it's like it's good to see russ still burns down the clock to five seconds and he's rushing off plays and stuff like that so but do you know what all this is in my in my opinion how i look at it they're his traits he's built up in seattle and do you know what he's done it's like a boxer it's like, it's Deontay Wilder when he fought Tyson Fury. And what did Tyson Fury say to him? You can say you've changed all you want, but once you get punched in the face, you revert to type. He, in in, in some... That was a good reference, Pez. On Another some drives... Reference. Yeah, he's on, he's on it. Dri- I'm on it, aren't I? <laughs> I've had my pasta, I've had my bolognese, I'm, I'm pumped here. No, but on some drives, when it zoomed in on him, like in the huddle... He was doing too much for a team that know each other. And do you know why? Do you know what's let him down? Russ is too big to play in the playoff. Uh, too big to play in the preseason. None of them starters played in the preseason hardly. He did his same routine what he did in Seattle. What he did is he fell into his comfort zone, and you could tell that that last play where it's um, timeout and they fucked it all up with the field goal and stuff. To be honest, I understand why the head coach did it. Because Russ is like doing antler horns on his head. He's doing all this <laughs> shit. With like three seconds on the clock, they Colton Sutton didn't have a fucking clue what he was doing. Colton Sutton's like, here, here, where? No, because they don't know each other yet. Did you did you hear that quote from, was it Colton Sutton, who said we have two plays? We have the one that's drawn up and then the one that Russ thinks about there and then. Mm which is basically the scribble play, and Pez hit the nail on the head. I, I don't think so much it's more, whilst it, it could be seen as reverted to type, I just think it's who Russ is. So Russ complained about his O-line constantly in Seattle, but he got sacked, was it three times in this game? Yeah, it was about three or four times. His O-line's tosh, that's why. But it... Is, if you've got an O-line that bad, then you'd want to make sure that you weren't getting sacked and you want to do things to prevent that. Whereas Russ has this habit of, again, hero ball, holding on, scrambling, trying to make something out of nothing. And then he gets smacked by Cody Barton or Mwosu. You know, so two sacks is what we've got. Two is better than nothing. We've got some 
quarterback hits, you know, tackles for loss. But it's all down to Russ just desperately trying to scramble around, not having faith in his old line, making something for himself. And I think that is just the, who he is now. I think it's it's less reverting to type. That is just his type. That's what he is. And it, it's a shame because, obviously, for us, he was electric. I've, I've put a load of, we've put a load of stuff on on like social media, just ripping him. Um, one of our Instagram posts is still blowing up with people who have varied opinions. Um, but it, it's it's just what it is. We we inherently appreciate he brought us a Super Bowl. He brought it took us back to another one. It was part of a team that did. I can't say it was him individually, but it was our quarterback. And he was a quarterback with us for years afterwards. And he won us some good games. But at the end of the day, we drew like Pete Carroll drew a line in the sand and went, you can't play our ball. You only want to play your ball. There's too many scribble plays. He was like, I'm just going to cut my losses because I'm not going to pay you 50 million and cripple my team for the next God knows how many years. Mm. Right decision. Sorry, Russ. Move on. Enjoy Denver. Yeah. Um, just, just on that, I, I... see, because when he started the game, then this is what I mean by the reverting to type. If you remember when he started the game, everyone was on, the, on like Twitter and that, everyone was just like, Oh, why is he doing these dink and dunk? Why is he throwing over the middle field? Why is he doing all this? Right? That's when the game was going well. I honest, honestly, I believe that even though yes, you, you are right, but it is from his time in Seattle, he has grown into being that guy. But I also believe he isn't just solely that guy because he showed at the start of the game that he can be he can do things different. Watch, but, watch, watch, watch his Wisconsin Badgers tape. That's all I want to say. When I watched him in the Rose Bowl against, I think it was against Oregon, and he was quarterback. That's when I pegged him and said, "I'd love to have this guy at quarterback because of that ability to scramble and do the scribble play because he can get out of that." That is what he is. That is who he is. It's been refined to a point where he's more as a, as a quarterback now. He's that cusp of elite, you know, where he can do all the things, which is absolutely fine. But inherently, that is him. He will try and work his way out of any trouble in the pocket by moving out of the pocket and around. And he's done that since college. I, so it's, it's who he is. That, that, that's, I, 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 just, I, I just I just think the first first part of the game showed showed differences of him. And I just think it's a simple the simple fact is him he, you could see he looked confused. His eyes were like you could see it in his eyes, he just didn't fully know what he was getting from what he had. And that's why he reverted back to type. Probably because he couldn't hear anything. Well, that's a fucking other mad thing, isn't it? I love that. Day. I love the fact that the, the offensive lineman turned around to Russ and went, I can't hear. Yeah. Yeah, but but then this is it. So Russ is used to it, whereas no one else is. Uh, Russ and... is used to the defence, the like, our, well, our defence having it when the, their offence has got the ball. Not when he's no, got the ball. No, but what I mean... what. what Look at it from this angle. Russ is so used to that noise. So this will, but you, you'll like this, Josh. I'll put it into your context. Do you know how you say he's an egomaniac and he is self-centered and he loves himself? Look at it from this point. He's so used to the Seattle noise that he just thinks it's sound. Whereas he doesn't doesn't realize that the rest of Bullshit. his team. He, the rest of his That's team. why there were so many delays of game. No, I'm sorry, I'm calling that mate as a sportsman. I don't care what people say. If you have, like, the, did you did you see some of like the decibel meters? 
if you're a professional sportsman, you're trying to concentrate, or amateurs, any sportsman, you're trying to concentrate with that amount of sound, and you've got to think that a, a sports field is a bowl, so that sound's just coming straight down to you. He's right in the middle of that. He's at the epicenter, right in the middle here. I don't care what anyone says. You could be as used to it as you want, being on the sideline going, hey, I'm used to this. I hear it every week. But you're not the one who's having it aimed at you whilst you're trying to concentrate and actually make the play as a professional sportsman. You can't say you're used to it. Not a chance. No, but look look at it from the point of he is used to the noise, but the rest of his team aren't used to the noise. So I'm saying... It's quite a selfish thing that why his linemen are turning around to him because he just expects them to understand because he's so used to playing in Seattle. Are you, are you understanding where I'm coming from? I'm not backing him up. I'm not defending him. I'm actually saying you can look at it from the point of he selfishly thinks, I know what I'm doing, but the rest of my team don't because they can't fucking think. But he's not, he's not, you know, he's not commanding. But he's the offensive players. captain, so he should be doing something about it. And the fact if his lineman goes, I can't hear, there's something that needs to happen. But this but is Russ, what, this is... Russ didn't accommodate for that. So there were, there were so many delays of game, which is Russ all over, this time with noise. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not taking it, Pez. I'm sorry. Nah. Yeah, but you're trying nah, to nah, make nah, out nah. like I'm defending the guy. No, I'm, I'm not. No, I'm, I'm, I'm disagreeing with what you said about him being used to the noise because you can be used to the noise. If you could go to Century, or not Century, Lumenfield every single week and be used to that level of noise in the crowd, as a trainer, as a coach, absolutely fine. If you're in the middle of that field trying to do your job and everyone is screaming at you, the percussive noise of that is going to put you off. Russ, the lineman, anyone. And there was no communication. That's why the linemen were going... No idea. That's probably why his wide receivers didn't have a clue what they were doing either. That's what I'm trying to say. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't know. It doesn't matter. I'm now going to have to rechange the, t- the, the title of the podcast back to review and run. So, so cheers, lads. Um, let's let's go back to the offense then, because let's not bother about Russell Wilson anymore. Offense. I, I've got to start with the two. Well, well, I'll start with the all all of the offensive line, and I was going to pick out Lucas and Cross there, but I think the whole of the offensive line. Deserves to be mentioned in the same bracket. I thought all of them were excellent. Um, Phil Haynes had two early penalties, which he quickly corrected. There weren't any. That wasn't a long-standing point in the game. Um, like I say, other than that one really silly holding one on Abe Lucas, which I'm not saying is a penalty. So for me, Abe Lucas had a penalty-free game. You had your two rookie starting tackles having a penalty-free game in their NFL debut in a, in a, in a game like that in a situation like that. Mm-hmm. So impressive. Um, the only two sacks that Denver got were on, were were Bradley Chubbs late in the game, where Charles Cross, like you've said, pairs potentially getting fatigued. You know, the rookie pressure and stuff like that. Completely understand why. For the rest of the game, for the first three quarters, and and some of the fourth quarter, Charles Cross had Bradley Chubb in his back pocket, which again so impressive. Um, Austin Blythe held down the centre position and, and played that position much better than what we've seen in recent years. Then. Gabe Jackson played really well again at, at, at right guard. Um, it just, it, and, and this is what we needed. The, 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 if we're going to be more competitive in games this year and, and put ourselves in the best chance to win games this year, the offensive line has to give someone like a Geno Smith time to at least be the quarterback that Geno Smith can be um, and, 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 and do what we sort of want him to do and, and expect him to do which is just game manage but we've got to give him the time to do that and the offensive line was brilliant um so for me that those were the guys that that, that stood out um and again i know we've mentioned them the tight ends um 
I mean, is that is that a point to be really excited by? Because I think we we've mentioned in, in in previous pods down the line and, and last season that we were a little bit too too sort of one a bit of a one trick pony on offense in terms of throwing the ball down the sidelines to either DK Metcalf or, or Tyler Lockett and and not targeting tight ends and not opening up the middle of the field. I mean, you saw it like in, in on Monday Night Football, Kobe Parkinson getting in, in into open space with some really nice really nice play designs. One of five. <sighs> One of five. There Here he go. goes. The hot takes. The hot takes. Although um, after watching Wosu's uh, performance, I'm not sure my hot take of Marfe getting more sacks than him is going to come true. Well, don't worry, because Beast. Jamal Adams is absolutely he's absolutely knackered me. So cheers, Jamal. Um, <laughs> I, you know, the first time I back him and say, you know what, interception leader, he goes down and gets injured in it. Brilliant. Um, of the season. Yeah, it doesn't look like Jordan Brooks is uh, challenging you either, seeing as he's an open field monster. I don't think they're chucking him through the line at any time. No, I think we're all going to be uh, a, little, a little bit of egg on our faces on, us, on some of them by the looks of the early proceedings. But uh, no, I, I think, again, to, it, it's all about, it's all coming back to me on offence about giving Gino the best chance to, to, to get us into a position in games where we can be competitive and certain things needed to have happened. The offensive line needs to have held up better than what it has done. And and other players other than DK Metcalf and Lockett had to have got involved in 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 the offensive game and the running game was there with, with Rashad Penny. Um, just overall, other than Gino, how how impressed were we by the offensive skill players and and the offensive line? Um, I, t- to be honest, I, I thought it, it was a very workmanlike performance. If I'm being completely honest, you didn't get flashes from your DK apart from his horizontal catch. Lockett was relatively quiet. I thought Gino picked his targets well um, by using the tight ends because, let's face it, everyone's going to target DK and Lockett because it's DK and Lockett. Um, Parkinson, I was very impressed with. Picked up some lovely uh, catches and a few, some decent yardage. Um, Disley, again, he's just, Uncle Will just does a job. Um, no, I expected more from Noah Fam. Um, and Rashad mm. Penny, like Pez said earlier, um, Penny had a good game, or it might be New James. But if that 26 yarder wasn't pulled back, you know, his average look a lot better. You, you um, just jumping on Penny, there is 12 for, si- 12 for 60. So you're talking it's five, five yards carry, yeah, but you're talking 13 for 86, aren't you? Completely, mm. but didn't he get flat? Didn't he get pulled back twice? Twice, yeah. So really, you're talking a hundred yard game. Yeah, in effect, and he, he's, yeah. he's keep he's keeping it up there with the top five boys. And I reckon it'll be it'll be there or thereabouts when it comes to sort of the midway part, midway sort of part of the season. I was I was looking at the numbers and thinking, if he got sixty yards this game, there's seventeen games. You know, if he goes about the whole season at sixty yards a game. He's still a 1,000-yard rusher, 1,020 yeah. yards. But there's going to be games where he's going to break off for the end of 200. Mm-hmm. So if he stays healthy, I think he'll be brilliant. I mean, he showed flashes of what he can do. Um, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what Ken Walker brings to the table as well. Um, oh, he's going I, to be a beast against something. <laughs> do, you know, do you know who I was most like? You talked about the old line. Very impressed with them. But I was really impressed with Travis Homer picking up that blitz that then allowed Gino the time to step into the pocket and find Will Disley with no one around him. And that was all Travis Homer basically yeeting himself in front of, in front of 
Like I was going to say the Russia. He got flattened, didn't he? Like a sacrificial lamb he was. He was just like, take me. Wee! I think Gino literally stepped on top of him and over him to get the ball yeah. to Disney, didn't he? Dude. Do you know what? Um, you you are right with Travis. Fullback written all over him at some point. Yeah. Do, 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 when Ken comes in and Penny and Ken come the one-two, because I was so disappointed that Dallas... Wasn't involved Dallas, at all, was he? Really? Was, but we'll get on to him later when we defense and special teams, so we'll leave him because he's a fucking monster. Um, but on Travis Homer, he nearly killed himself for the team. Great, <laughs> but then he also was it in the second half where he dissected that blitz coming through, and he just absolutely stonewalled the guy to give Gino time to. I think he it was a pass up to uh, Penny, but he played out of his skin. Him and DJ. It's literally like they've sat down, they've talked to each other and gone, these motherfuckers think that they can get rid of us, but we're about to show them what you, what they're missing if they get rid of us. And they just are, t- they're like a tandem. They're like twin, evil twin brothers who just want to go and hurt everyone. It's like the Bash brothers from Mighty yeah. Ducks, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, on special teams, like if uh, DJ Dallas on, obviously, on offense, not great. He didn't do a lot, but on special... Yeah, exactly. On special teams, I know that because my fantasy score for him would have reflected it. Um, Why did you even play him? What the f- Well, because I thought Penny, you need an RB2. No! Yeah, I know, stupid, overthought it. But um, on special teams, Dallas, oh my God, that tackle. Killed a man. <laughs> well, <laughs> killed a man. <laughs> we'll save that. We'll save that for a second because just on the offense. Uh, before we leave the offense and gush over DJ Dallas, um, one guy I was really impressed with was Colby uh, Parkinson. Mm. Now I was speaking to Brett yesterday, and it—I must have been speaking very passionately about him because it ended up turning into some gush fest over Parkinson. That I loved him, and he was my favorite player, and I was just like. I did last year. He was in my hot take section. Yeah, he was. He, he, he had was. me off clean like. And, and now Brett's going to think that you really love Parkinson and listen to more of these pods and go, lying bastard. <laughs> saw Jordan Brooks and Kenneth Walker. <laughs> don't, you, don't you worry. I got him straight. Just in case Jordan's listening, like, you know, get him straight. He's st- still my number one still boy, yeah? <laughs> but no, Kobe Parkinson, I messaged you two. And as I was trying to get the message out, like, fuck it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. He is a monster. Mm. You get that man in a bit of open space and get his wheels going. Just that catch. He only just got into stride and he literally destroyed that defender in front of him. Mm. He's put size on. He's six foot seven. He's fast. He's got great hands. Mm-hmm. You get him space in the open field. I dare any defender to try and take him down first. No, I, I, I'll call it right now. If he gets more open field plays where he's got room to run, that first tackle will not bring him down. Well, he, I, he, how do you? He is a monster. And yeah. I was trying to message you, and I was like, oh my God, we need to get the ball more to Kobe Parkinson. He is a massive threat. Touchdown. I was like, there you and, are. And it was great play design as well. It was perfect up on the wheel, Gino rolling out to his right on that little slant and yeah. whatever you want to call it. And and he's there. It just it's what we've been saying for so long. Two seasons. Yeah. Two seasons. Two yeah. seasons we've been saying this. Me and James, and then Josh has joined the party. 
We're in a Parkinson party, and he's a monster. That doesn't sound and great. And talking about efficiency, <laughs> it doesn't matter. That's what we're all about. He's on a roll. He's on a roll. Just keep going. Right, and then talking about the offense and spreading it, check these numbers out. Because when I looked at the stats, I was like, oh, fucking Jesus. He did spread that ball. So, DK Metcalf, 7 of 7. Noah Fant, 3 of 4. Noah Fant, Tyler Lockett, 3 of 4. Disley, 3 of 3. Penny, 2 of 3. Parkinson, 2 of 2. Goodwin, 2 of 2. Eskridge, 1 and 2. To spread the ball around between eight different offensive players and be that efficient where they all either caught them all or just lost one. Is very very impressive, very impressive, very impressive, and it and it boards really well for for the rest of the season. Um, before we leave the offense, just a quick name: one of you's man of the match from offense. If you had to pick one player that you would give a man of the match award to offense, Gino. Gino for you, Josh Pez. I'm just going to say the whole old line. The whole old line, because without that old line playing out of their skin. Mm-hmm. Gino didn't do what Gino did. It's no tough. offense to the bloke, but that old line, I've not seen that old line play as hard as they did in Seattle for seasons. We have not had an old line who just digged out all game. Fourth quarter got a little bit sloppy, got a little bit messy, but so fucking what? We're used to that in the first quarter. We can get that and we can build that unit. We play the Rams late. Mm. If you can solidify that unit and make that solid, the dare Aaron, Aaron Donald to try and get through that thing. Yeah, um, I was going to give it to, I think I was probably going to give it to Charles Cross, but do you know what you swayed me? I'm going to give it to the whole offensive line. I think that like you say, without them that game, I think we probably lose that. Um, and as, as Pez picked up on in, in that little conversation, he did have a sit down with Brett Davin from the Take 12 podcast earlier this week. Um, and we're going to we're gonna edit into this podcast now, a little segment um, of his little chat from with, with Brett. Um, talking all about the, the the season so far, the game from from Monday Night Football, and the uh, what what we've potentially got planned, and what certainly they've got planned at the Take Twelve podcast um, for the trip to Munich in November for the Seahawks and Bucks game. Um, so please do take a listen and uh, join us again after the uh, after the little intermission of, of listening to that, and we'll and we'll get onto the defense. Hey Seahawks fans, it's Brett Davern from the Take Twelve podcast. Here to let you guys know about our trip to Germany. Our podcast, the Take 12 podcast, is going to Germany for the Munich game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We have tickets to the game that we are selling as part of our travel packages, which also include three nights in a hotel in Munich and also a fantasy-style flag football game where you get to play football with six Seahawks legends who will also be on the ground in Munich. It's going to be Lofa Tatupu, KJ Wright, Leroy Hill, David Hawthorne, Sean Locklear, and Matt McCoy. And also a few other Seahawks legends are checking their schedules, so we'll update that if it changes. But we're doing dinners out. We're doing parties. We're giving you guys gift uh, packages and baskets. We're having custom flag football jerseys for that game. And like I said, we have the actual tickets to the actual game on Sunday, which rounds out our trip. We also have travel packages that don't even include the hotel. So if you already live in Europe, if you're already planning on being in Munich, but you're looking for things to do, if you want to play in a flag football game with Seahawks legends, just come do that. If you already have hotel accommodations, we have the package without the hotel also. All of the information 
is at 12sinmunich.com. That's 1-2-S in Munich. So check it out. And I hope to see all of you in Munich. Did you, like, did you watch the game? Yeah, yeah. Got up one, one in the morning. One uh, in the morning. That was... Okay. Real talk. When was my last Seahawk favorite game? Like, that's my newest favorite game. And I'm trying really hard to think of the last one that wasn't, like, the real glory days. You know what I mean? Like, what was the last just, like, regular season just epic? I mean, that was a playoff game. That was, like, a playoff atmosphere. I wasn't in the building. Lopa was in the building. He already told us on our podcast about how crazy it was there. You were watching on TV. You saw it. I mean, that was bananas, man. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I had it on like volume one because my son was upstairs, and we, we're only we're only in like a two bedroom house. And I'm yeah. like, I'm going mental in, on mute in my head. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> it was it was insane. And do you know what? I, I was so worried because in the off season you heard all these things about uh, training camp and no one's turning up and this that and the other. And you're just like, oh, are they just? Because let's face it, it's like I said on Twitter, anywhere, anyone talk, the eternal optimist, Josh, when you meet Josh, he's the eternal optimist. Like we did our predictions show our last podcast and he was like, we're beating the Broncos. It's just eternal. (laughs) So I don't buy into anyone who turns around to me and says, I knew we were going to win. Like Lofa tweeted, I had a feeling. Well, I listen to your podcast. Love has a feeling every single week. Like. <laughs> no, in the morning, I woke up with a good feeling and I, I texted him. I was like, does this mean you think we're going to win? And he's like, bro, we're definitely going to win. And then, I mean, but that's his attitude. Like, I think the first conversation I ever had with Lofa, I said something like, uh, you know, hopefully this goes well. And he's like, well, not with that attitude. Like, what? Actually, can we talk about our Germany trip? Just you and me real quick. Like, yeah, yeah, go part for of this a little bit. I mean, are you yeah. coming to Germany with us? Oh, yeah, 100%. You better be. We got a party in Germany, dude. I mean, for real, you guys, like, our podcast, Take 12 Podcast, I mean, if you guys partner up on this thing, but, like, let's let's go to this game in Munich with 51 rabid Seahawk fans. That's the limit on the ticket packages we can sell because that's how many people fit on the bus. That's why we're limited. It also ties it nicely with Lofa's uh, jersey number, but, like, we got limited space. We have packages with hotels, without hotels. All of the packages include all of the parties. There's exclusive events. Six Seahawks are coming with us. You guys are coming with us. People who live in Europe already need to get on board with this. Come play football with us. You guys want to play football with KJ, right? We rented out a field. We have the equipment. He's already in. He's coming. Let's do this thing. Can I tell you something? Okay. We haven't even put this online yet. After the game, we are all leaving that stadium and going to a super VIP after party that I think they're only letting in like five or 600 people. Um, It's like the official Seahawks crazy German boosters official. No one can get into this party event. And we, we have partnered with them a little bit getting our people into that because we're bringing Lofa and because we're bringing KJ and all of that. I mean, just that party alone and the amount of NFLers that are going to be at that party that aren't even Seahawks. There's people coming who are like active players. They're on a bye week, they told us. And you can do that for the price of our ticket package, which is not 
very much more, if not less, than what the Seahawks are selling. And the Seahawks official travel package, I'm sorry, I'm ranting again. You guys. It's all right. Go for it, mate. You go for it. The official Seahawks package that they're selling doesn't have any former players attached to it. It doesn't have a flag football game attached to it where you get your own custom jersey made for the event that all these guys can sign for you. That's a -a one-of-a-kind, limited edition thing that you can't get anywhere else in the world. And it's as is part of our travel package that we're not just jacking the price up on and screwing people out of their money. You're traveling with six Seahawks. That should be priceless. And of course, as Brett has mentioned in there, um, the Seahawks are going to Germany. Um, Please do, because we've we've collaborated with the Take 12 podcast, so we really need your help here. If you're still waiting to get a ticket for the Seahawks and books in Germany, if you know anyone who does um, and and would be interested in their package, if you use code WETALK12 at the at the checkout on their website, uh, you'll get 12% off the package deal um, and it will help us out massively as well um, working alongside them. So if you know, if, if you are, you know, yourself, you know someone who will enjoy that or you know um, someone further, further afield who, who needs a ticket, anything, you yourself, anything, um, please do go to the website and, uh, and use our code. And uh, yeah, let's get to the defense. We'll um, be... We'll be chucking up on the socials as well. So you don't need to try and remember the code. We're going to yes. put some posts out. We're going to put some posters out where it gives you a little bit of information where you can go to buy these tickets. Um, the Take 12 website, their Twitter, you can get all the links through there, but we're going to post a load of stuff. So if you just check our socials out, Instagram, Facebook, um, Twitter, yeah, they'll all be there for you. They'll all be there. We're going to be pushing it for from now until till November, really. So you've got you get to go time. and play flag football with KJ Wright. KJ, now, if you don't think that's it. worth it on its own, yeah. Then I don't know what is. He's just retired. He is fresh. Legend. Like any new old Seahawk, like to spend the weekend. You're spending the weekend with these players. Mm-hmm. You're spending the weekend with them. Watching the game with them like, after parties. You're drinking with them, you're partying with them, you're eating with them, you're playing flag football, Sports. you're on the game with them. Brilliant. Like, if that it's doesn't an... sell it, I don't know. Go and yeah. find a new team. It's an awesome package. <laughs> go and find a new team. It's an awesome package. It's a truly unique once in a lifetime experience. So please do go and check it out um, and use code WeTalk12 at the discount at, at checkout if you do fancy going. Um, right, let's get to the defense. Uh, for me, there's only one, I mean, I've said there's only one place to start. That We could start in multiple places, actually. But for me, there's a player that we have to talk about above any. Um, and potentially the guy that went as, as as far as anyone on that defence in terms of who won us the game. It must be Uchen Enduosu. Um, I'm so pleased. I called it when, when, we, when we signed him that I think he's a really decent player, a really smart pickup for, for what the Seahawks are trying to build. Young linebacker who's, who's really solid. One of those names in the NFL that nobody's really heard of unless he was on, unless you were a Chargers fan, but Chargers fans all knew how good he was. They all wanted to keep him. A guy who always sort of, he, he reads really well on the PFF grades. You can see he's a good player, but, you know, doesn't make the highlight reel every week. So people haven't heard of him. Um, but you could just tell going and watching this film, he's a really, really good player. And, uh, and my goodness me, did he step up when we needed him to uh, on, on Monday Night Football. Seven tackles, one sack, one pass defend, and one absolutely crucial force fumble at the goal line. Um, I mean, 
how how impressive was he? How how impressive was the entire defensive line? We'll start with the defensive line. How impressed were you by those guys and 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 Nwosu and these linebackers? I mean, to be honest, it was the first showing of of the new defensive system, wasn't it? And it, mm. Apuna, I thought was quite quiet. Just to put it out there. Yeah, Al Woods was. I'm going to say. I'm going to use the phrase again. Workmanlike, mm-hmm. but he came up with some critical stops. Yeah, that did. stop on the one yard line where he just pushed that right guard right back into Williams was one of the highlights for me because without that, that would have been a, a touchdown all day. But he pushed him back about three yards. Fantastic. Shelby Harris tried to do whatever he could and gave one of the best post-match interviews. I was going to say, he should have yeah. got man of the match for that post-match <laughs> interview. <laughs> what, what else would you like to say? Let's ride. Let's ride. Just looking yeah. straight down the camera. That's why you don't trade with Denver. Don't be, that, that's yeah, your don't, fault. Don't train one of your it. defensive linemen to the opposite team. Yeah. Um, what, a, what a dude. Um, but yeah, I thought like, do you know, the surprise for me was, and obviously I said last in the last part, a hot take, we'll get a new middle linebacker. Cody Barton, Mm. that's two games last game of last season where I thought he showed out and this game where he got a sack I'm pretty sure got a tackle for loss and ten tackles I want to say uh, and he's done like eight tackles eight tackles, two assists one sack. Ten in total don't he because they just banned them all together. Yeah but that, that I thought it was fantastic what a compliment to Jordan Brooks. Like Pez said, Brooks is just a midfield monster. He can shoot an A-gap if he wants to. But why? When you've got him there with such a burst, send Cody to the line to snuff things out. Because his run defence, I thought, was brilliant as well. He's the one that snuffed out that Javonta Williams um, runoff. Was it a screen? Mm. Brilliant. Daryl Taylor had quite a quiet game. But... Uh, I'll we'll let him he, off because you know it's going to come back. He made some mistakes. Um, yeah. He made some cost, like some big yardage mistakes. Because mm-hmm. um, I think so. Something I'm going to use Josh's thing. What he said in the last podcast is a little bit. If the linebackers have loads of tackles, that means the D line hasn't done that well. Who are the leading tacklers of this team? Anyone tell me? I don't know, Pez, tell me. What, for this game? It was Cody Barton. Well, in order, it was Jordan Brooks and Cody Barton. Yeah. No need for the patronising uh, comment there, James. I, I, I didn't with, know. I'll, I'll deal with you after. I genuinely <laughs> didn't know. <laughs> no, but it is. it was them again. I yeah. have no issue with that because I could watch Jordan Brooks tackle in the open field all game because he's just a beast at it, right? But... The D-line was up up and down, up and down. But do you know what I liked compared to all the other years was the D-line was up and down, but they still produced. They still produced quarterback hits. They still produced sacks. They still produced. They're the numbers we've been missing for so many seasons. Oh, yeah, they got really good pressure, but they never did fuck all. But this game, first game opening season, and we know about this defence. This defence is Pete Carroll's defence. No matter who you shape up in the in the coordinator Clint Hurts brought the aggression but it's still the way Pete Carroll wants it to be played so we do know that this defence is only going to get better Mm -hmm. 
and I think, but I think this year this defense is going to get better in the in the first four games, not all the way half of the season, and then they were miraculously to take a turn around. They, this team needs that aggression. I think some people, some people, like saw it as a negative, like they were too aggressive, and then like they were missing tackles, and yeah, they were sloppy at the start, but they got their they got their stuff together, and they started locking it down. And that's something we only for the last two three seasons. That's the that's something we've only seen halfway through the year, back end of the year. It's like where's this team been? But it's already there. Game week one, we're already there. What's so, on? Sorry, um, uh, what, what's the on, on on Cody Barton as well? Whilst we're sort of briefly on him, um, I, I did think, and, and what I've always kind of held my opinion of, of Cody is that he's poor in pass coverage. And I do think he was still taking advantage of in pass coverage at times. Mm-hmm. And my reason for, I, I'm going to say, I, not that I hated him, I don't hate him, uh, but I, I didn't believe that he, he should have been a, a part of the, the starting lineup moving forward last year. I think he wasn't used around the line of scrimmage as much and he was tucked away um, in, 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 in deeper field situations where his pass coverage ability was getting exploited too much. Um, and, and I think you've got to now look at Ken Norton for that, as opposed to maybe Cody Barton. You saw it on, on Monday Night Football. I thought Cody Barton played a lot closer to the line of scrimmage. Uh, he was a lot more effective in the run game. And then you saw that sort of shooting up the gap to, to sack Russell Wilson. Um, if, if that's how we're going to use Cody Barton, then then he looks like a really solid player next next to Jordan Brooks. I just don't want to see him dropped in at pass coverage all that often because I think he gets taken advantage of. That That's all I'm going to say on Cody you, Barton. You, Took the words out of my mouth. I was just about to get on to the linebackers. I was just about to get on to that point. Um, I remember when Cody first came in and going after the quarterback was something that got him noticed, where all the fans were like, oh, wicked. And then he took the big injury. And then by the time he came back, the defence had changed and the linebackers were expected to do coverage and stuff. And he's not good in coverage. He's okay in open field tackling, but he's not that great. Yeah, what they how they used him on Monday night is exactly how you use Cody. Now I'm very biased, and Jordan Brooks. If you go and watch his college tape, no, but you it's, are it's, biased towards Brooks. It's not about <laughs> no. Listen, listen. All joking aside, you go and watch his college tape, and that's what Jordan Brooks used to do: middle linebacker, captain of Texas Tech, and he used to shoot through gaps and destroy everything: running backs, quarterback, anything. Mm-hmm. But do you know what? And at first I was just like, I want to see Brooks doing that. But as the game went on, and he's a signal caller mm. of the defence, first game, I thought he did a brilliant job like running that defence. I thought he had him. The, the, the start of the game was a bit meh. Was that his fault? Was that the player's fault? But they really tightened up. Mm. And I thought, great to see for his first game a signal caller. But watching this game, like we've all highlighted, Cody Barton excels in on the line of scrimmage. Jordan Brooks is, I put it out on Twitter and I will back myself on the podcast. He is, in my opinion, one of the best open field tacklers in the league. Yeah, he is. His, stats, his stats showed it last year. So if mm-hmm. anyone wants to come at me, come at me, but his stats showed it last year. One of, one of, he was the best Seahawk and one of the best players in the league at open field tackle, and I think that's why he got his old pro vote. And that's why you always leave Jordan Brooks in the middle of the field to dissect any runs, because like Josh said, 
Who was there when Javante Williams was just about to take it down the sideline? And I mean, there was no one there to stop him. Because mm-hmm. Michael, you go and watch the play, and I'm pretty sure from my tired memory that Michael Jackson was dueling up with the wide receiver behind him. And that would have been enough to let Javante Williams get full speed and burn past him. But it was yeah. Brooks. It was always Brooks who was the first one in there to either slow him down or stop him before another guy came in and helped him. And that is exactly how you play that tandem. You play them exactly how they played them on Monday night. Obviously, teams change, but for most teams, that's how you play them, full stop. Because a lot of these teams in this league have got move-around quarterbacks and all that kind of shit. Don't try and be fancy with them. Keep it like that. Brilliant, in my opinion. Them two. Yeah, again, it's what we... We've said it's it's a defense that's felt like it, it it's a coming of age this year under under Clint Hurt, new management, new ideas, and and we like you say, Pez, it is still Pete Carroll's defense. But I think Clint has addressed the sort of things that we were saying that playing certain players out of positions and putting them in in situations that we that we know they'll get exploited in, like Cody and pass coverage. I think Clint has quite clearly spotted that and knew that, and 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 has come in and said, I'm not going to play Cody in, in, in pass coverage. We're going to get him to the line of scrimmage. Um, Sorry, to, to, to but, just quickly butt in, because you made a very good point there. Um, when I've been doing, like, when I've been in the gym doing my cardio, I've been, like, fucking boring as shit, in it? So I've been watching old Seahawks tape. I've been watching, like, because they all keep talking about 2012, 2000, this. So I went back and started watching them games. And one thing that this team has been missing forever, what Clint Hurt is addressing. So whether you, you like the aggressiveness or hate the aggressiveness, I love it. Mm. But you go back and watch from when Pete Carroll first came into this team to when he started accumulating Cam, Earl, Sherm, all them guys. Mm. You just go and watch highlights of them games. They run round aggressive as anything. This is the... He's addressed what we've been missing for so many years on this defence, is aggression. He's brought the aggressive nature back. You go and watch them, they got flagged all the time because they're just whacking people, they're doing what they want. Cam's coming up to the line and just smoking guys at the line. Like, you're watching it, I'm watching it, and I'm just like, I'm getting jacked. It's like, you get jacked watching it. Mm. And you hit the nail on the head... Clint is coming and he's brought the aggressiveness back. And it brings its holes. It's a fresh new defence. It's young. They're going to get eager. They're going to get excited. They're going to miss a tackle. They're going to miss an assignment. They they might get exposed. But as the season goes on, like I said before, with this team, as they tighten up, they're going to stay aggressive and all the gaps are going to get closed. And then they're going to get noticed as being a really young, up-and-coming, potential end of season top 10 defense to mm. then ascend you know what i mean yeah it, it, it's just really really encouraging signs that you know it, it's not going to be same old same old and and and, and problems are now going to start to be addressed um there is another player that I, that I do want to mention um before we get onto the cornerbacks um safety josh jones um jamal adams obviously went down injured in the in the game and looks like he's going to be done for the year and that's when that's when i that's when i really thought Oh no! Now Russ is going to potentially exploit this 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 defense now over the middle of the field with Josh Jones in there. Even though we've been hearing all preseason that he's looked really good in camp, beating out a few players for that roster spot and and all that. The reality is, it, it it's his first game for the Seahawks. 
he's coming in in this kind of situation. I thought if, if that that's a player that Russ is potentially going to target now and exploit. And he wasn't exploited once all game for me. I thought he was absolutely brilliant um, down again in those in those sort of in, in, in those goal line stands against the Broncos. He was put. He, I think he put in a couple of the tackles that that, that stopped the, the the Denver offense on in those situations as well. He was definitely there contributing on 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 those plays. And I just thought he held up really well. There was no plays that, from what I can remember anyway, that that were down to him on the busted sort of coverages. Obviously, you saw the one with with Colby and stuff like that. There wasn't anything like that with him. I think he kept it smart, and and we've been hearing it again, similar to similar to how I've, I've I mentioned on the on the last hot takes podcast that I, I was confident that Michael Jackson was going to get the start at, at outside cornerback opposite Tariq because Pete has been saying all training camp that he's absolutely fine and happy with Mike Jackson on the field. It's you've been hearing the same with with Josh Jones, and and there was no because I I. I thought it was going to be Ryan Neal that would come in straight away and 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 although he did come in Ryan Neal it, it seemed like they, they preferred to go with Josh Jones from what I saw anyway um so I just thought I'd give him a mention in terms of it it looks like now that we we, we need someone to step up and take Jamal's place at that at that strong safety spot Josh Jones looks like he, he may well be the guy oh 100% uh, the one thing the one thing he did do bad and it's like pretty much like quite when he first came in was when Cody, when uh, Kobe Bryant messed up that mm. coverage for the touchdown, it was Josh Jones who then f- messed the tackle up. Yeah, he yeah, should have been that. able to wrap him up there. Mm. But like I said before, one thing I'm looking for this year personally is players who are alert enough to be able to change. And he didn't do it. In my opinion, he didn't put a foot wrong after that. No. No, I thought it was excellent. And just, just, just that situation to come in off the bench could have been a bit rusty and stuff like that. And he was straight in there making plays. And I just thought it, it, it it's, it looks like hopefully we're not going to have too much of a drop off potentially at that position with with Jamal going down that we that we should be able to rely on a Josh Jones and 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 Ryan Neal. So I thought I'd give him a mention. Um, but let's get to these cornerbacks then because I think that's a, a another big talking point. Doesn't feel like anything is is solved yet at cornerback after after that first game um I, I think they're still going to be figuring this position out for a little while yet um other other than the offensive the the, the penalties that the the the, the, uh, the pass interference penalties on Tariq Woolen um I mean the stats don't lie I think he was excellent 34 coverage snaps three targets he allowed zero catches uh 39.6 passer rating which was not only the best among all the rookies this year in 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 in, in week one fifth among all cornerbacks in the nfl this week for for pass for passer rating um i mean for a fifth round rookie for as raw as he is i mean uh, I, I keep saying I, I call him viagra because that's what he does to me it, it, i'm so excited about this guy man it, it, it honestly it we we have not had a prospect since Richard Sherman, like this, like this guy uh, coming out of college, he, he's just a Batman suit avatar, whatever you want to call him, Vi- Viagra avatar, Batman, whatever you want to call him, whatever you want to call him. It, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to send him a tweet and say, "Are you comfortable with your name on a podcast?" He hasn't Viagra. got a choice. He hasn't got no, a I'm, choice. I was, I was going to say, someone, someone tweet him or DM him to someone. James, you slip into his DMs. Obviously, that's uh, well, fucking James. Will him, slip into something else. I was going to say, hey, Viagra. Hey, hey. Um, I, I'm, I, all jokes aside, I, I thought the the PI penalties, but I think they were 
there were just rookie errors. Mm. I, I think he was he was sticky in coverage, and I think after that, the first PI, he kind of realised he can't be that close. And I, I tweeted, I said, look, you need to be like at least half an arm's length. Just give them that, just so you're not seen to be smothering them. And he seemed to have learned on the fly, which was really good to see. Yeah. Like he showed his speed, he showed his his turn of everything, his turn of pace, his body control to get through and stay with like the. Um, that, that coverage on Cortland Sutton that, on that end zone shot was as good a coverage as you'd see from any cornerback in the NFL. Yeah, and so, so it, was, that, it that, was brilliant. It was brilliant. Let's, thoughts on the on the opposite side? If or, or Pez, if you want to mention Tariq Woolen, but any no, any do, other do thoughts? You know what? On I, was quite, I was quite su- surprised because I, I, it might have just been the penalties what stuck out to me, but I just felt like he. Uh, didn't have as good as a day, and I was just like, I had to go back and watch it. I was like, oh yeah, actually, it might have been because it was like mm. three in the morning, and I was half asleep. Um, but I just did. I was like, oh, oh really? Um, but what one of his flags was good. Like it's, it's it's a bit like in our football. You know, if you got beat in the middle of the field and they got open space, cynical you foul. You clip him. Yeah. A team foul. Yeah. You, just just a team foul. You're doing it for the team. And he did one because Colton Sutton had him beat hands down. Yeah. And he just pulled him. The the other one, personally, I felt like Colton Sutton was all over him as much as he was over. As he was over. But I just believe that a rookie tussling with a more veteran okay. player is always going to get the flag because the refs are like, no, you need to learn. Like, I can't let you get away with that because you need to learn the rules, essentially. Um, I'll just quickly, whilst I'm rambling, I'll quickly jump onto the other side. Michael Jackson, I'd say defensively, he's one of our best players. Like, ball recovery, pretty solid in but, pass coverage. The awareness to jump on that ball, great. It wasn't, it wasn't even that, like, that's just instinctive nature to do. Like, any player would do it as soon as, oh, ball on the floor, hmm. It's like a cat with a fucking laser beam in it. <laughs> Put a laser beam and it's like, ooh, ooh. like, but it wasn't that. It was just every, his coverage, his his play for for a for a pretty much unknown guy mm. going into this season to make a name for himself like that. You've got you, you you're looking at you're looking at Artie Burns, you're looking at Trey Brown, you're looking at um, Sidney Jones, and you're thinking. You three might be on the outside looking in here because these two aren't ready to give them spots up. Speaking hmm. of Sidney Jones, did did anyone think that like, when he came actually came back onto the field? Was it that we play were, where he froze? He he just he looked like like I've seen concussed people. I've been a concussed person. When you have no idea what's happening, you literally you start doing something. All of a sudden, your brain goes, "What we're doing?" Hmm. And you have a brain fart, and you go. Yeah, and he he did. He just froze. He's like he he wasn't sure what he was supposed to be doing, and it it, it worried me a little bit, if I'm honest, because like concussion is quite a serious thing. He was out for a long time with concussion, which meant that it was a serious concussion. Um, but that I just I almost point that out on the poll because it, it it's generally I saw it and I thought, well, that doesn't look good. Like if if I know if I was playing and and I had that sort of reaction even after being cleared. Of uh, sort of like head trauma, a coach should be looking at thinking maybe a few more checks. Because um, he, he he got beat, didn't he? And he just stood still. Yeah, he just stood like. Well, Did it, he it even was, fight even, his even guy? Be, Did he no, even, even fight his guy? Even before he got beat, he was like walking into position. Like, is is this where I stand? 
and then he just got burned and he went oh, oh, oh. it, it was like that John, that John Travolta meme of <laughs> what from Pulp he's Fiction like a, yeah, yeah. He's, he's like a <laughs> Windows 95 computer just crashing Pez, will you stop with these? Honestly, you're on a reference on it. Honestly, (laughs) away from that, I think the one person who I felt a bit bad for um, was Kobe Bryant. Mm. Yeah, I was going to mention him. Yeah, I I knew that was coming. Um, Yeah, he that one play. It it was it was a real shame because he was with him. He was with Judy. He had his hands to the ball. And then just lost the ball. Didn't, didn't get his head round. That was it. If, if, if you look, his hands were probably like millimetres away. Because mm. he didn't get his head round. Judy caught it and just burned him because Cody, oh, Kobe, as we as we know and as was documented throughout like the, the combine and everything, he he hasn't got raw pace like Woolen. Mm. But he's cerebral. He's intelligent enough to know what he needs to do. And he, he showed that by getting to Judy. Mm. But he just did turn his head quick enough. And that's the he second did, time it's did, happened now. Because it the happened thing is, with Pickens, uh, Pickens as well in preseason, and then with Judy, so that's, that's a work on for me. Yeah, but so, it's still promising. So the thing is, at the start of the route, he kept with Judy. What was impressive, Judy's a burner, and he kept with yeah. him. But you, you are exactly right because I, I turned around in the preseason and I said, but in the second game, Kobe had a similar thing, got his head round, but then maybe I was giving him too much praise because then when I think about it, when he swatted the ball out of the hands in the end zone in the second preseason He just had game, his hand up, mate. He wasn't looking again. He just had so his hand up. His, his biggest issue, his biggest issue is not getting his head round because if he turned his head round on the pickings play, he would have had a better chance of swatting that out of his hands. If he turned around on the Judy play, he would have been able to locate the ball a lot better because he was, like you said, he was millimetres away. But that wouldn't have been millimetres. That would have even been a broken or potentially he could have under undercut Judy and stopped wrestling with him and actually took a play on the ball. But that's why he's not Source. We're starting to see the different levels of why Source is who Source is and why Kobe went a couple of rounds later. He's got the raw abilities there, but do you know what... I said it to you guys. The thing what really bugged me about it was they put him back out there, but Denver called a timeout and then they pulled him. I've not seen the snap counts yet. Normally they get posted around today or tomorrow and we'll see because after that play, I didn't see him again. He did get put back out there, but I would have really liked to see him go back out there in the slot and just, you know, just... Get it out of his system. It's weird. Do you know what it is? It's weird. The first preseason game, he made the same mistake. His first NFL proper game, he made the same mistake. And I'll, I'll, I'll confidently back him because I think, again, he's an intelligent player. I think if he's not just putting a doghouse and he's given another chance, I don't think he'll make the mistake again. It's maybe, almost maybe, like a weird, nervous first time thing with him. Maybe it's just a, a concentration issue. I mean, if you're looking at concentration issues, then something that can help is our sponsor, Blessed CBD. Oh, I like it. So oh, what a, what a like segue. We're getting oh, good at this. We're getting too good at this. We're getting too so professional. We've, we've teamed up with Blessed CBD, uh, blessedcbd.co.uk, um, to help with people who may have any type of injury, affliction, illness that you want a natural remedy for. All of their products are lab tested. 
They can help you with things from anxiety to pain from arthritis, from recovering from any sort of injury to collapsing concentration. It's, it's all there. I'm Again, I said this last week, Massive Advocate has helped me through my recovery from my spinal cord injury and through the multiple head knocks I had playing rugby, which explains a lot to a lot of our listeners. Um, if you want to give it a go, all you need to do is head to blessedcbd.co.uk. That's B-L-E-S-S-E-D-C-B-D.co.uk. Select from their range of oils, gummies, um, capsules, balms, lotions, and when you get to check out, just put in code Seahawk. That's S-E-A-H-A-W-K, and you will get 10% off your order. Thank you. Thank you, Bless CBD. And please do go ahead and follow that link and do that if you need to. Um, right, let's end this with these Pete Carl comments then. Um, for anyone who, who hasn't seen it or doesn't know, I'm going to read a, some a snippet out of it. Um, because, uh, the, uh, there's a very interesting theory behind potentially the, uh, the 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 context to these comments potentially um so obviously he was asked about the win after the game pete um and potentially needing validation for for, for beating russell wilson and stuff like that and, and 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 all that stuff as he's as he as he was going to be asked um he says i don't need validation um i just wanted to win i wanted to win for all of the reasons that come along with this one um it meant a lot to those guys that have played before. And, and obviously there was a bit of a contingent there that, that, that were there at this game, uh, which I'll get on to. Um, he then went on to say and, and, and was asked um, why the win meant so much to, to the former players that were there. Um, simply simply responded by just saying, you figure that out. Um, it was really meaningful and they really wanted it. And I knew we were playing for a lot more than just the regular stuff. Uh, we have a real connection with the history. Um and then it, it, it's basically going to say the game isn't about an individual player here or there. It's about the team, ultimate team sport, and it takes everybody. Now, at the game last <sighs> night, at the game last night alone, there was a little sort of mini Seahawks Legends reunion from the Super Bowl days, notably. Um, they all were at the game. The, the, these players were all confirmed at the game. Marshawn Lynch, Doug Baldwin, Richard Sherman, Sidney Rice, KJ Wright, obviously raising the 12th man flag. They were all confirmed to be at the game last night. Um, and we also know that Richard Sherman and Marshawn Lynch were, were, were quite involved in training over the past week or two on at, at, at the VMAC and, and offering their thoughts. Um, that's, that seemed to me like a, a, a deliberate ploy, let's put it that way, by uh, whether it was Pete asking them. It's head people, games, isn't it? Uh, that's what I'm saying. It, it's, it's a reunion of people who all, all seem to... To, to have eight Russell Wilson, yes, to <laughs> potentially hate Russell Wilson. Pez just took away all the ambiguity of what you're about to say and yeah. just put it out there. It's true, but then by I don't getting, think sports hate, yeah, but then by getting KJ right as well to lift it to raise the 12th man flag, having all those guys that it just felt and looked to me like Pete or whoever has deliberately done that and said. If we can get into Russ's head by doing getting, if he can come out and see all those guys there that hit, that that hate him and potentially don't like him and cause the rift, because this is what he's basically confirmed as to why we're talking about this. He's basically confirmed in those comments that there was a rift and that by saying, well, well, you you just take a guess why those those lots sat in the in the in the in the boxes and and in the VIP, you 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 have a guess why they potentially really enjoyed that win. 
there, there you go. Because because why else? If, if there was no rift, it would be supportive of Russell Wilson. They wouldn't be egging and, and desperate for us to beat him. So he's, he's just basically confirmed that what we all knew for all these years, that there was definitely a rift between certain players and Russell Wilson. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? And is it's very revealing, very telling. And, and do you agree with me that this was a, a potentially a deliberate PR move by, by the Seattle Seahawks to do this in the run-up to the game? 100% a PR move. It's 100% a, a good coach using mind games against mm-hmm. someone. Because obviously, but there's, there's been whispers out there about the fact that some of these players didn't like him. The fact that, that, that Russell Wilson made that comment about carrying a team. And carrying a team full of professional sports people is not something you say, especially when you've got contributors out there like Doug Baldwin, who without his receptions, Ross wouldn't have looked half as good. Especially with when, the LOB as well. <laughs> exactly. You know, yeah. like, it, 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 there was, I can't remember who I was listening to. It might have been um, the Man to Man podcast, shout out for them. Yeah. Um, Michael Shaw and Christopher Kidd. But I think they said that it, it, it was telling that Doug Baldwin was there. So since he's retired, he's been to two games now. This go. one and one other yeah. at Lumen. And that speaks verses. Yeah. That's how much it meant to these guys to be there, to cheer on the Seahawks and basically ship two fingers up at Russell Wilson for his comments. And mm-hmm. we were only speculating here about how he might have been as a teammate. Based on what I've seen, I could categorically tell you that I would hate to have him on my team because no one likes somebody who thinks they're bigger than the team. Um, but I think this was pretty indicative of the, the general locker room feeling. Yes. Um, awfully awfully convenient, wasn't it, Pez? Sherm, Sherm loved it the most out of anyone because he's the, vo- he's most, the most vocal. weeks afterwards. He's the most vocal hmm. on... Uh, he's the most vocal on Russ... But don't get me wrong, right? So like Josh said, it's sportsman. It's like sportsman hate. Mm. I think a lot of Sherm's, not a lot, some of Sherm's a bit bitterness towards Russ was because he wanted his big contract. Russ got his big contract and, and Sherm, Sherm lost out. And then Sherm got injured and he never got that, as they say, their bag. And mm. I think that is a bit of what drives Sherm to dig out Ross, I do. I think that obviously all the other factors behind the scenes, the Super Bowl, whatever. I do. I do. I think it is that. Um, the biggest one for me is uh, Doug Baldwin. Yeah. Because the connection them two had for the whole time they were at Seattle, the defense is all, at the end of the day, defensive players and offensive players, they don't really share time together. So if Russ is coming across as being quite arrogant and a bit this and a bit that to someone on the outside looking in, then I can understand the perception from the defense's point of view that he's a certain type of individual. But the big telling point for me is the fact that him and Doug Baldwin had probably one of the best chemistries in their time in the league. Mm. It's massively underrated what them two did together. For Doug Baldwin to have a massive problem with him, is a telling point. Now, to kind of play sit-on-the-fence job, Doug Baldwin has been in interviews as well to say that he stayed away from the Seahawks 
on purpose. Nothing to do with Russell Wilson, to do with his own mental struggles with leaving football. And now I am not prepared to use him as a, oh, look, even Doug's digging him out because he's been quite open but in podcasts saying about his struggles with leaving the sport, being such an ultra competitor mm. that I wouldn't like to smear his personal battles. If you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't like to go, Oh yeah, look, fucking Doug hates him when by the sounds of it, he's had a sh- shite time since he retired, you know, figuring out who he is, mm. but now he's figured out who he is. He's putting gifts out there aimed at certain individuals so you're just like it's just it's just interesting man now beast mode has has marshawn ever openly said he's got an issue with russ because i don't think he has an issue with anyone that fella no i don't think he's ever oh, he's, he's done interviews talking about you know what was the play call and on all that stuff he's never digged him but, out i wouldn't say but because I, I don't think he's that type of guy i don't no. I genuinely i don't think he's like doug's never openly said he he as far as I'm aware, Doug's never openly said, I despise Russ or I don't like him as a person. Mm. What I personally think with them two is Russ just changed. Doug mm. probably saw the change in Russ and Doug's quite a real guy, you know what I mean? So, it again, he is the telling one for me that I don't think it's the fact that they dislike Russ. I think it's the fact that he changed, I personally think, with some of these fellas. It's like, Josh did the post. Very controversial post on Instagram. It was Josh whoa, everyone. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Josh everyone. It was him. <laughs> Get that out you know, there. You know the best thing there? You've just pointed. But depending on how James has this set up, you could be pointing to anyone, mate. Josh. Yeah, that, that, it, on, see, on my screen, you're pointing to the corner. He said your name. I'm not in it <laughs> No, but, but we all support him. We all have his back yep. in everything he puts. Um. But it's true. It's true. It's true. He changed. He changed. And some fan bases say Sierra came along. He changed who he was. And I think that on the offensive side, I think that's what grabbed them the most. Mm -hmm. Was it's a bit like she's like, you, you can be better than this. Stop wearing because he used to wear casual stuff. He never used to get himself dressed. It was a bit like a Tyler Lockett, wasn't he, from what I remember. He just kind of just, he wasn't asked about his suit and his this and that. And then all of a sudden it just started changing and evolving. And people probably looked at him and gone, you're not the guy who first came into this team. And it, I think, it was all very much, he went from workman-like behaviour to I'm here to do a job, I'm here to win titles, to meeting Sierra. And then the superstar mentality started kicking in. So he started being seen at a lot of these like New York galas and doing all these photo shoots and, and shit like that. And then the superstar mentality came in. And I, I still, to this day, cringe beyond belief when I see that video of them both in bed. Hey, Seattle, we got a deal. <laughs> Go Hawks. And him with all the drip, the three or four chains going, yo, Seattle, we got a deal. And then Sierra nuzzles in like, yay, we're rich. We have no other streams. (laughs) And I'm just like, every time I watch it, I'm just like, oh, my God, that's cringy. That that is, that's the epitome of the man. 
Like, and then you see he's just got worse since then. It's like you give him all the money, becomes an even bigger douche. Like, I, and again, I will reiterate this to anyone listening. It's not personal hate. This is sports hate and sports perception. I'm sure if I met him, he's a lovely bloke and we'd have a really nice chat. But from a sports mm. fan's perspective, <laughs> I, I don't think I don't, don't think you're there, Josh. I don't think you're there. The healing process isn't there. We're not meeting face to face. No, he's not but, on the podcast. Right, boys, boys. I, I've just thought then how we spoke about the last bit. It might not even make sense. We just kind of just went off on. Well, probably me went off when, on a tangent. When does anything ever make sense on this podcast? But what I'm going to say now, I'm calling it now from this podcast forward. Russell Wilson closed. He's a closed book. That game's out of the way. We beat his ass. He's riding back to Denver, and that's it. On this podcast, I'm calling it right now. No more Russell Wilson talk. Oh, He's done. We've dusted him off. He's dead to us. Go die in Denver with your fucking head coach, with your head coach, in your in your press conference like. Either you're upset because you wish you were still in Seattle or it's dawning on you slowly like the ticking clock, like, oh, no, I've got a shit old line and my head coach don't trust me. Well, oh, am I still in Seattle? Oh, hello? No, he's done. He's not a Seahawk anymore. He's nothing to do with us anymore. Fucking chuck him in the bin and let's set him on fire. Lovely. Well, that's a bit, bit harsh. Lovely Hypothetically. Hypothetically. Oh, good. No, you saved it there. Well done. Hypothetically. Um, <clears throat> yes. Real. Before, before we end the podcast, any final words, any final takeaways from that first game that you that you would like to wear? Any any sum it up in a couple of words if you want. Let's ride. Let's ride. All right, Shelby. Um, <laughs> no, all I'm going to I'm going to say is make sure everyone checks us out on all our social medias. We have Twitter, we have Instagram, we now have a Facebook group. So if you want to get in the Facebook yep. group, just search We Talk Seahawks. Um, and providing that I don't think you're a fake profile, we'll let you in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll let you um, in anyway uh, we've also got a discord as well message us on any of those mediums and we will give you that for free we're not asking you for money to join our discord we're not like that um and apart from that um watch out for some merch coming out soon um and go hawks go hawks man thanks go for everyone to, that, that's listened and, and like i said do go and follow us on all the social medias definitely go and check out that that package from the take 12 podcast and use we talk 12 yes to check out if you want the discount on it as well um but let's go it's nine as week now let's go let's make it two and oh as josh believes we're going to i now believe we're going to as well let's go and do I it i believe that we will win we're not getting that chance going. we're ending the podcast <laughs> there and then go hawks thanks to, thanks for everyone for listening and uh yeah stay tuned man